Your Pizza Shop, located at 1200 8th Avenue Southwest in Largo, offers a great selection of personalized pizzas, pastas, and calzones, as well as delicious wings, subs, salads, and tasty desserts. Enjoy the relaxing atmosphere and scenic view overlooking Pinecrest Golf Course. Remember, for the finest pizza anywhere, takeout, delivery, or catering, call 581-1101. That's 581-1101. Or order online at yourpizzashop.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for takeout order at 727-501-9090 that's 727-501-9090 they truly have the best smoking barbecue in town oh and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce that's the rib shack barbecue in downtown largo 727-501-9090 i'm telling robert from nostalgic radio and cars sent you Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my good friend William Helfrich. He's a lawyer, and a darn good one at that. He specializes in medical malpractice, social security issues, and probate. His credentials are exceptional. He is a former JAG, yes, a military lawyer, sworn to uphold the law to the highest ethical standards. For over 20 years, he was an attorney for the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. Give Bill a call at 727-831-5312. That's 727-831-5312. Let William Helfrich help you make informed legal choices. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Hey, this is Stacy David from Gears TV. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Piece this thing together to make this, this pickup truck full on custom, but 
be true to the custom or the uh, the concept bar that was originally driven or drawn way back when. Well, I studied the style lines of design from the original designer uh, Chuck Jordan and uh, came up and created the full custom one-off main bed. I used the uh, dual headlight theme from the 58 Chevy truck to make my custom dual taillight on the rear. Uh, and it also has a custom actuated uh, rotating light plate on the back, I think we discussed many of that license plate is pretty cool. It's kind of like a James Bond thing. You hit the button, and it flips over to the other side. But what's kind of neat is he left a little bit of the mechanism on there. You can see the chains driving that thing around. So this thing is really smooth and clean, but you get some of that real working pickup truck on it. Now, how many hours do you have just in the bed of this thing? Well, just in the bed, I would get around 2,000. Uh, we're putting over 5,000 in the total build, and... I've been working on it probably about five years off and on to create the pickup truck. Yeah, you can just see the number of hours there. And what's tough for people that aren't really familiar with you know, a particular vehicle when they've been modified so much, but when they've been done so cleanly, really you don't get the essence unless you can come up and walk up and hear the story. You can see where the lines were between this panel modified to this panel. This thing was shaped in an English wheel. So there's so many of these vehicles on, on the SEMA floor that have, just like you said, years and years worth of work into them. Lots of guys putting a lot of sweat into them. But this one from TC Pinnock was all done pretty much by yourself. Is that right? Yep, yep. And I've been working nonstop on it for about the last six months when we got invited to clean, but the truck wasn't completely finished. So it has just been gangbusters nonstop every day to try to get it here. Uh, not only being a custom vehicle, we did a full candy paint job inside out. Uh, that's like 13 layers, so it's just been out of control to try to get this done and get it here to FEMA. Nice. Well, last year we walked through Heat Shield Products, and there was a – what model year was that? It was the early Mustang. Yeah, 65, wasn't it? Yeah, it had a uh, a mod motor, you know, the, the more modern Ford 4-cam motor with the blower on it. They made, what, six 700 horsepower? Yeah, a little over 650 horsepower. We put the new-style uh, headlights in it. We actually put the new-style – Dash, we cut down and then rewrapped it all in leather. So pretty, pretty extreme vehicle. Yeah, that was a Kevin Tate from uh, Trucks on on the RTM Power Block, but you put in a lot of hours with them, kind of tag team this thing, brought it home last year, and then you came this year with the 58 truck. It's just over the top. So. Yeah, and, and see when Kevin invited me on board with that thing, we had 47 days to get that to Vegas, and I walked into the shop in the last Tennessee, and it was scattered over three days. So. It was all we could do to put that car together in 47 days. TC, man, it's great catching you again at SEMA. Awesome work. You're pretty much blowing everybody away. This thing looks really good. I'm going to hand it back over to Robert. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, Kevin, that's a pretty amazing truck. And i got to tell you, when I'm standing right here, and I guess the gentleman's name was TC, and that is just one incredible looking truck. I like the detail. I like the rear lower quarters where you kind of blended in the 58 Chevrolet uh, Impala taillights on that. I mean, it did an excellent job. One it's hell of a truck. Is. Great effort, man. Glad I could run into you, Robert. I'm going to let you hit the floor. I got some more shiny cars to go see, and uh, I'll be back back down in Clearwater, Tampa area soon to film more episodes of Two Guys Garage. Okay. Well, you take care. Thanks for coming on the show for a few minutes. Hi, I'm Dennis Cage from My Classic Car, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Tim, Tim, are you there? 
Yeah, how you doing, man? Hey, you're another one of the old alumni from Nostalgically Doing Cars. You're here at SEMA with the rest of us. Tell us a little bit about what you see out there going on. Well, we brought two cars. We built a 64 hot-rodded Corvair. We put the motor in the front, built a full chassis and a 59 Impala Dash for my wife. Uh, kind of a cool little car. Everybody's like a hot-rod Corvair, but then they walk by and look, and it's got a hot-rod stance. It's got a bunch of cool stuff, brushed nickel trim. Uh, kind of modeled the hood off of a 65 Corvette Stinger. And, of course, you know, the motor was in the back, and a Corvair, so we had to cut a grill and kind of style the grill after an old Impala. Um, along with that old hot rod, we actually got picked uh, one of the builders that uh, some of these uh, big three OEM manufacturers give some projects to builders across the country. We got the nod. Actually built a 2014 Ford Transit Connect wagon. It's kind of an entry-level mini SUV. And uh, also besides the hot rod stuff, me and my wife do BMX racing, and it's built on a theme of a full-on pit support bike repair uh, vehicle. It's got bike racks on it. It's actually in a Yakima rack boot, and uh, it's got bike repair stands that are mounted inside, tool holders, you know, big stereo system. It's got a rack inside to hold your helmets and race gear in between laps. So, uh, so that's the projects that we brought, but then along with that, I'm actually a new product judge. So on Monday before the show opens, me and my team, and there's actually 18 different categories, 18 different teams that judge a bunch of stuff, and uh, we go through all the brand-new products and look and pick and stuff, and then before the show opens, first thing, Banquet on Tuesday morning, actually give all the new products away so those companies can get that exposure from all, you know, in front of all the masses of crowds here in front of everybody the whole week of SEMA showing how cool their new product was. How does that judging go? When you guys determine, you know, the, the new products and who wins the award, take us a little bit through the process. Well, we get uh, we break up into teams. Uh, this is the 11th year that I've actually done it. I'm the team leader of my uh, – we have three-man teams that break up. Uh, my team actually judges two categories. Um, a couple of the other teams judge a couple categories. You might have a small category and a big category. And they kind of put uh, the team leaders in charge of picking their other guys. And, the, you know, they're not going to have four-wheel drive guys judge street rod product because they're not, you know, familiar with it. You have four-wheel drive industry guys judging the four-wheel drive stuff that – the hot rod guys judging the hot rod parts, the performance guys judging performance race car stuff. So they kind of break that up, and we take actually most of the day on Monday going through all the stuff. We've got printout sheets and a computer with all the information that the people, the companies that sign it up give us. Um, we go through everything, look at everything. We've got little numbered charts that we go through for, you know, innovativeness, if, you know, little things if the, you know, if the industry needs this, if it's an awesome built product or not, and uh, you know, we kind of rate it one through five, and we go back and hash it all out. We narrow it down to three and one winner, and uh, they get a cool best new product SEMA award to be able to display for the next year and use in their advertising. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool to be part of that because, like, they, they always have the, the big SEMA official people come in, and it's like, you know, a lot of people's companies build their companies and make their whole year or actually make their whole livelihood on their product if they win an award it you know a best to show product that SEMA really is a huge deal for these companies you know you come to SEMA and it's all the flash of all the custom cars and the hot rods and the new tuner cars and lifted four-wheel drive all the projects but you kind of forget that's what SEMA is here for is to show the new product would you say that you know, like you've had cars on the in, in, in SEMA inside right before yeah would you say that's probably one of the biggest honors to have a car displayed inside SEMA I mean, that just does amazing stuff for your career and for your uh, your build displays. Yeah, I would say it. We're we're lucky. We've we've had cars out here on display at least one, if not two, projects for probably the last 
the last 16 years, all but one one year, we brought cars out here. And uh, you kind of take it for granted after you've done it for so long. But I remember the feeling the very first time I brought a car out here, and it was just unbelievable. You know, being a Midwest farm kid, just even the chance to come to SEMA was mind-boggling. We come to SEMA once just to check it out, and then from here on out, we've had cars here. So, yeah, it's, you know, and I've got a couple of buddies that's, you know, kind of reminiscent. It's their first time ever bringing a hot rod here and have it on display at SEMA. It's just a huge, huge deal. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people that on the outside looking in, they're like, oh, I want to take a car and enter in the car show. It's not really a car show. Yeah, you've got some design awards from the big three, and, you know, you've got some other awards. But it's not like you can't just pull up to SEMA and enter your car. Every spot, even outside, has to be tied to a booth inside. So, you know, like my wife's car is here through Royal Purple. Ford is here through Yakima Racks. You can't just show up and enter your car in SEMA. I've known people that's tried to do that. They drove all the way across country, try to get their car into SEMA. You can't do that. Everything is tied to somebody that has floor space inside. If their booth isn't big enough inside to have a car in it, they get a spot outside. If their booth is big enough inside, they can have a car in there. That's just how it works. You can't just show up and bring a car to SEMA. You've got to be attached to the industry somehow. So basically, but what does, like, the cars that are here are absolutely stunning, and I would probably say the majority of them are definitely over the top. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you want, you know, these companies, they want their new parts on that car and actually see it on a project. Sometimes that makes the sell for that company, seen it actually on the car, other than just it sitting there static on their table in their display. You know, actually walking around either in their booth or one of the halls or out in the main parking area, to see that actual part on that car, sometimes, you know, that'll that'll make the sell for that consumer is actually seeing it instead of just static on a table. Okay. Since we're walking around here a little bit, out of all the displays that you've seen, is there anything that stands out to you that you think is really, really cool, something that's really, really innovative? Well, like the new products, you know, some of the stuff of the categories that I help judge, you know, Aeromotive has this really cool universal drop-in electric fuel injection pump that's comes with a flange, you drill the holes and, you know, plug your other holes and you can have your in-tank fuel injection fuel pump right there in any old street rod, truck, anything that you're building. You don't have to buy this brand new expensive aftermarket gas tank with your in-tank fuel pump. Aeromotive has you covered. You drill the holes with your little template, drop that fuel pump in. One of the other categories that my team picked was uh, actually best engineered of the whole show which is a huge honor in my my opinion. You know, not just one of these subcategories. It's the best engineered of the whole show is uh, Viking Shock Company had these electronic uh, performance shocks that they can change the setting. I think it was like 10,000 times a second or 1,000 times a second, something crazy like that, that not only does it give you feedback what it's doing, but you can electronically give it feedback and adjust the shock as you're going laps around the course, whether it's a straight line car, autocross, road, road race, or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's, unbelievable the amount of stuff that comes comes new here each year i mean yeah a lot of people they enter their product in the new section you know you look at some of this it's lots of same old stuff just rehashed over there in the new products but you know they pay their fee they bring it over and it's another area that their part gets seen but you know some of the stuff really jumps out at you is new technology i mean there's there's a million new okay you can control this 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 and this from your smartphone and you know five years ago when we were judging this stuff none of that was even even a thought in anybody's mind in that judging room. So it's really crazy how in the 11 years that I've been doing the new product judging, the technology has just went through the roof. What do you see here that's a really cool, late, uh, I mean, kind of a neat, innovative product for us vintage car guys, something that would, uh, you know, that the average guy that's working at home on his car would find really well, useful? For the vintage guy, it actually won, uh, I 
think one of the best awards in the tire and tire section. Uh, Coker Tires has the new bias ply looking tire that is radial. That's a huge. I've heard rumors that Corky and his guys at Coker Tire down there have been working on that for a while, and they finally debuted it here this this year. You know, and I I love traditional hot rods, and you know I love the look of a bias ply wide white, but they don't handle very good. You know, I had a six six Chevy truck I built a handful of years ago, it was in a bunch of magazines, and I didn't drive it much because it had old bias ply tires on a country road. That thing was just all over the place. Well, now Coker come out with that tire that you got the look of that bias ply tire, but it's radial technology, so it handles and drives awesome. That's good news. How about how about uh, products that they can use in the garage to kind of, you know, detail projects for anything? Anything cool here that you see there that uh, would be beneficial to some of the hobbyists? Well... Uh, unfortunately, I don't judge that part of the new product, okay. and I have not yet made it to that part of the SEMA show. I know it's hard okay. to believe to some of these people that have never been here, but I've been here for two days, and I've only made it through part of one section of the building of what is there, four or five sections. And this place is so huge this year that even one of the, the – like going to the ballrooms over at the Hilton right next door, there's another room over there that in the 16 years I've been coming, there's never been vendors there, and that room is full. And there's other like used to be meeting rooms upstairs that are full of vendors. And I heard the other day when we were doing our judging the – the participant registration up to that point on Monday was up 8%. So to me, that means the economy's back, the market's strong. You know, a handful of years ago, it wasn't as crowded here. And man, you can't even hardly make it through the halls here. The economy's back. People are spending money on on automobiles, and it's awesome for everybody. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news for everybody in the, in the classic car industry, too, because it's uh, a big encouragement. Let me ask you this. Your, now, your TV show, Search and uh, Restore, is uh, you, you're done with that? You're done filming that right now, and you're working on some other projects. So tell us a little about some of the upcoming shows you might be doing. Well, I'm actually uh, doing a little dealing with two American production companies and two overseas production companies on some things. Um, I've actually turned down actually turned down a reality show on a major network that was in prime time because they wanted stupid stuff. Um, I work hard in the industry. We you know it's this product judging, and I'm an advisory board volunteer at a few colleges across the country that teaches, you know, hot rod stuff and fast classes. You know, I've, I'm a part of this industry. I've been doing it full time for 20 years, and I've been I grew up around it. And I like to do things to make us all look good in the public eye and to help promote the sport. And there's just some of these TV people that are not car people, and they want drama, tool throwing, cussing, swearing, fighting. And I just choose to turn that stuff down because I don't think. Uh, that, that helps the industry at all, and I, I wish all that stuff would go away because that just makes us, you know, there's a couple shows I really don't choose to mention their name, but uh, some of those automotive TV shows out there right now are making all of us look bad, and I wish uh, people would stop watching them. So something good and uh, really deserving and, you know, how-to and no drama and some cool stuff and maybe some cool competition builds without stupid drama, that, that could come into effect and uh, make us all look good, all that just, you know, some of these shows that maybe they're, I don't enjoy them and they're I think they're bad for the industry, but on the upside... There might be some teenage kid that's sitting there that's never looked at hot rods. He might look at that, even though us in the industry thinks it's bad. That might get him excited about cars. So if those TV shows that I personally don't like do that and bring new new youth into the sport, I think that they're doing their job because we just need to keep growing this. And if we don't keep bringing the youth in, uh, this place is going to die off before you know it. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm walking around here. I'm in the uh, in Central Hall right now. I just got out of North Hall. And I'll tell you what. There's a lot of young blood walking around in here. I mean, these young kids, and, and it's amazing because typically you associate a young kid with a tuner car. 
there's a lot of characters yeah. in this hot rod thing, so that's good. And of course, like you said, shows yeah, I, like yours. Uh, I, 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 I'm, you know, some of the diehard hot rod guys aren't a big fan of the tuner stuff, but I am because those are kids in the market. You know, you forget that whether it's a tuner car, it's a hot rod, it's a lifted truck or whatever, they're still using that paint, that sandpaper, that detail equipment. They're buying those tires, those wheels, that wiring harness, that fuel injection. You know, that's what they're doing is they're, they're being part of the industry. And I'm actually out here right now in front of the building by all the feature cars. And, you know, there's a lot of young kids out here because, uh, the, the Ford racing guys are putting on a show out there with the drift, you know, tandem drifts. They got uh, Ken Block out there and Tanner Faust out there putting on a show. And, you know, there's been a crowd out there all day long. And so it's, it's pretty cool that all the stuff, you know, SEMA just used to be cars and stuff. But now they've got a lot of entertainment here, especially at the end of the day. They kind of crank it up. There's a lot of, you know, drifting and stuff going on out here. So it's it's pretty exciting. Let me ask you this. What do you see in the in as far as a trend in hot rodding and in custom cars and with builders today? What 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 strikes you? What do you like? Well, I, I see the market. I'm not really big into it, but the diesel performance stuff and the lifted trucks are just booming right now. I mean, there's lifted trucks out here, diesel performance. I've got a couple of good buddies that are into that industry and just the crazy stuff that they're doing. That's just, that to me, it looks like it's kind of growing really huge. To me, like the tuner style stuff seems to kind of be tapering off a little bit. I'm really glad that there's no more hardly at all spinning wheels. I was not a big fan of that market. Um, <laughs> you know, hot rod stuff's always strong. I love traditional hot rods and, you know, street rods 48 and older. Um, I'd like to see some of that come back. The Pro Tour street machine market with, you know, the Camaros, Chevelles, LS motors, fuel injection stuff is, uh, is really strong right now. And, uh, there's somebody hollering at me here, but, uh, that's, that's what I see a lot because also right now where I'm not doing any TV, I'm actually a live racing announcer. I've done a whole bunch of events for the good guys autocross this summer and a few other racing series that I'm talking to about doing the, you know, live play by play color. Um, and you see a lot of, the. Uh, you know, the Schvels, the Mustangs, they come in with their performance suspension, whether it's a Ride Tech or Detroit Speed or whatever suspension underneath of it, but they've all got that late model, either a Coyote fuel injection, Ford crate motor, or that LS with, you know, the bigger supercharger, bigger fuel rails, everything to make them go faster. And it's, that's that's the huge market that I see at the events that I go to because I don't really go to the diesel stuff. But again, I see the diesel performance really getting huge. And, you know, the Pro Tour fuel injected, you know, I don't like to call them Resto Mods because to me the Resto Mod name come up with the auction guys that didn't know what to call an old hot rod with modern technology. I just call them right. a cool hot rod, but all those auction guys have to have something to pigeonhole them, so they call them Resto Mods. But I guess you can say the Resto Mod scene is really still hot. <laughs> now, talk about some of the cars that are here on show and on display. Is there any car here that really caught your attention? Some of the cars that you see, the North Hall or South Hall or Central Hall, well, you know, being being in the industry and having a lot of buddies, you kind of hear the buzz or your buddy might send you a private text picture of something. Hey, man, don't share this. Here's what I'm bringing. So, you know, I've got a lot of my buddies, you know, the hot rod world's kind of a cool world that, you know, we're all in this together. But, you know, we might be competing for the same consumer dollar, but, you know, you still, you get to see me, you go out with your buddies and they're all hot rod builders too because you all live the same life. So you understand what everybody goes through with the show deadlines, the building, the waiting on the parts, the dealing with this, the non-paying customers that people don't like to talk 
talk about, but everybody deals with it. The cars that you get everything sunk into, it's the best car you ever did, and the customer runs out of money, you know, all that stuff. That's why all of us builders kind of kind of stick together. So, I, you know, I've had some teaser shots, and, you know, one of the ones I like is over in the Jet Hot booth that Brian Fuller for the Jet Hot owner of the company is building a 32 Ford all-wheel drive with a quick-change front and rear, and they're going to plan to go to 200 mile an hour. That thing's over there mopped up in bare metal, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, you see all this stuff with all the paint and bodywork and upholstery, but it's, it's, it seems like, you know, people really like to see the stuff under construction, and that thing's over there raw metal, see all the cool fab work, and that's one of the cool ones I was looking forward to seeing in person, and it didn't disappoint me when I seen it in person either. It's a, it's a neat, neat piece. Talk a little bit about the uh, Riddler Award. There's a 40 Ford here that I believe was the Riddler car, won the Riddler Award this year. Did you take a look at the car? Yeah, um, I walked by it here. I mean, I was I had a one of the cars that we built, the 51 Hudson that we built on Search and Restore on display at the Detroit Autorama this year. And that, that 40 Ford, when it unrolled out of the trailer, it was still a little dusty from being hauled there. I could see it from four rows over. Seen the crew that was involved in that build, and I looked over at it before it was even set up on its stand, and I says, there's your winner right there. You know, certain cars just have that look from a distance. And if you know your hot rods and you know the crew that was involved in that, you knew how perfect that car was without even walking over and looking at it. So, yeah, it's, it, it's neat sitting there down on its wheels, but it really shines at the indoor show circuit when you can see all the suspension and all the crazy craftsmanship and detail that's on the bottom of that. And that's that's a really neat car because, you know, I love street rods, as I was saying, 48 and older, to see a high-end 40 Ford, you know, show up at Detroit and, you know, travel across the country and win in a lot of the big awards this summer is pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's a modern hot rod. It's got a lot of slicing and dice, and it's got big wheels, but the... The wheels kind of have an old style, and the coating kind of looks like an old Dow 7 coating that might have been on the old magnesium race wheels. It's got a flat head with a blower, but, it, you know, it's it's got a lot of cool mix of old and new, and it's a, it's a very, very neat piece. You know, pictures don't do it justice. you got to see something like that in person. Um, yeah, I'm over here on the other side. I'm in, uh, by Spectra Chrome, and Spectra Chrome is actually, I guess, uh, a company that's based out of Clearwater, Florida, and I was just curious. What are your thoughts on that process, you know, that chrome painting that he's doing? Have you uh, had much experience um, with that? I, I don't know anything about it. All I do is I see some pictures online. Actually, I think the one guy that's doing that, I, you know, follow each other on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, other than that, I I don't know much about it. So, sorry, I can't help you on that one. Okay, no, I was just curious. Because I know it seems it's, it's got a lot of people around the booth. And, and like I said, they had a display in Clearwater, Florida one time because they did uh, one of the monster trucks for uh, Dennis Anderson for uh, Gravedigger. And they had it on mm-hmm. display, and I just happened to be walking by here the other day, and I noticed those guys, and I talked to them a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's this mixed thoughts on it, you know, whether it's whether it'll hold up really, really good. I mean, it does really good. Initially, it's an alternative to chroming, but uh, the finish is absolutely stunning. So, you know, it's yeah. – but, it, yeah. but it's not like what you said. Like when you do your cars, you know, when you do a car for, for the Grand National Roadster Show, those, those cars are really seriously prepped and prepared. This is more for like uh, – you know, I don't want to say a quickie, but not a real long-term project that kind of car. For something that's maybe a little bit more streetable, a little bit more maybe disposable, if that's the right term for it. Uh, I mean, yeah. is, that, is that kind of your thoughts on that, too? Yeah, and you know, you got to look at that in the industry. There's more guys that have daily driver hot rods or custom cars than, you know, that guy that wants to go win the America's Mill Speedful Roadster or the Detroit Auto Rammer for the Riddler. That's like a .0001% of the industry or probably even smaller than that. So... You know, a lot of these parts you look at, you want to make sure that it's, uh, you know, somebody, you know, a lot of these parts, yeah, 
it might be the coolest thing ever, but they might only sell five things of it. And that's what the SEMA is. It's the big consumer market that they want a whole lot of people to buy this stuff. And, you know, that spray on chrome that's probably, you know, more people are going to want that because you say it's a it's a cost, you know, cost-effective alternative. The, um, you know, like those cars that you build, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, when they, when they go to custom car shows, they have no idea how many hours and how much planning goes in this car. Give us a little brief, like, uh, walkthrough of like when you first start a project like that Hudson project that you did on TV I think you did that for a military guy didn't you the Hudson project yeah. because that, yeah okay and and I and I really loved what you did to the front end on that car it was a lot of work and a lot of thought how many times do you sit there and mock up something and then you don't like it and then you take it apart and then you do it again those are the hours and hours and hours and hours that you invest in those cars before you even get to the final finish tell us a little bit about that yeah, well, I guess I'm, I've got a very active imagination. My wife says that I kind of see everything finished in my head. I can look at a car sitting at a junkyard and see the stance, the wheels, the color, the interior design already in my head. And uh, okay. that was one good thing on when I was doing those TV cars. All I had to do was, you know, talk to the artist that drew down the artwork, and we bounced some ideas down, and then uh, to show it to the rest of the builders so we could all be on the same page. You know, I remember there was a famous cartoon back in one of the – the hot rod magazines back in the day that this customer comes in and there's, you know, the customer has got the, like the cartoon bubble above his head. What he's thinking, you know, I want a hot rod Willie. You know, he's thinking gasser, big motor, and the other guy's thinking pro street hammered on the ground. You know, you gotta, you gotta make sure, you know, when it's just me in my shop, that's like when building my wife's Corvair here, we had a vision and we just did it. But when you're doing something else, you got to show the customer and all the, people involved to make sure that they're all cool and all on the same page too so it takes a lot of planning you know a lot of parts a lot of waiting for stuff uh my wife's car we did really really quick nights and weekends in three and a half months working 100 hour a week you know 60 hour a week on it and 40 hour weeks on the customer cars and uh luckily you know we worked with a lot of company suppliers that you know they get us stuff quick and you know well dealt with us before so they get us stuff that's really quick and get you know it's going to be at SEMA and a bunch of events so yeah you know, you got to work with good companies to get stuff when you build stuff pretty quick. So uh, how receptive are a lot of the manufacturers, whether it be, you know, uh, whether it be Bilstein, whether it be Edelbrock, whether it be painless wiring, whether it be, you know, General Motors supplying or Ford supplying with a crate motor, how how easy or how difficult, should I say, I should say, is it to get these guys to get involved and contribute, uh, you know, parts to your project? Well, that's an art in itself. Luckily, I've been in this industry and getting cars and winning national awards and in magazines for over 20 years now. You know, I've been in over 250 magazines, and it actually, uh, that all helps and all that builds up. So it's not something that a new guy can just jump into the industry and do all this. And it's kind of kind of a little voodoo, you know. Luckily, I had a guy that was in the pro street world back in the day, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, that, you know, went to the street machine nationals, and he kind of took me in and showed me how to do the business side of it and showed me how to do this. And it's not just gimme, gimme, gimme. They want to know you're going to go to this event with this many spectators. You're going to go to this event, this event, and this event. And if you get apart from somebody, you better damn sure make sure you're there. Because if you don't, that's your word, that's your shop, that's your reputation, that that car better be there. Or that company is never going to help you again. And guess what? That company has friends that has a company that has a company that has a company. And the word travels fast. So that's what, I guess, our relationships over the 20 years, we always say what we're, we do what we say. And uh, we always hit the deadlines and we're there no matter what. So, Tell us about some of the other activities that go on uh, outside. And you talked about the racing that's outside, the drifting, 
and, you know, the displays and stuff like that. What other things kind of go on? That, uh, talk about the seminars a little bit, the educational programs that go on. Tell us a little bit about that, because you've been doing this for a long time now. Well, I don't never take part, never have time at SEMA here to get to the educational seminars. I know some friends right. that do. Um, actually, I was so busy last year at SEMA, I never even made it over – I never made it to two floors of the whole SEMA show. That's how crazy this place gets for you when you're out here this week. Um, you know, you not only you get up early in the morning, you're in Las Vegas, you want to go out and have fun, but the last two mornings I've got up, my alarms went off at 6 a.m. to get the morning banquet, uh, the new products banquet this morning. I got up and went to the NHRA breakfast banquet, and uh, and at the end of the night, after the SEMA show's over, there's usually banquets to go to there and business meetings and sponsored dinners and all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, walking around the show, and doing all that, but 90% of the business that I always done, it always seems to be done later on, whether you run into somebody at a restaurant or walk into the hotel or you're at a business meeting or another banquet. That's when it seems like all the good stuff happens. So bottom line is anybody that's never been here needs to come here. Is that the, is that the case? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, that, that, you know, growing up as a, a hot rod kid, I was like, man, I want to go to steam at least once. Well, I've never missed a year since I've been coming, you know, and we've got, you know, from just the relationships and people you meet here, we've done the brand new OEMs. Like we did the new project for Ford this year. We've done that 11 times for, we built brand new projects for Ford and Chevy and Pontiac and Saturn and all kinds of stuff. Well, now that's interesting. So let's say, for example, you did a project for Chevrolet. Do they set the criteria and, 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 and take us through the process a little bit? Um, actually, when you do these new ones, um, everybody thinks it's some big secret, but you know, you've got to be a SEMA member. If you're a SEMA member, all the information comes through all your SEMA contact stuff. Um, you send in a proposal and send in all your stuff. Um, our proposals are usually 15 to 20 pages, and again, you have to put in all your events and where you're going and your consumers and your show that your deadline is that you hit SEMA. Um, it actually says in some of these company contracts, if you don't hit FEMA, you pay for the vehicle, you pay for shipping, you can pay for all kinds of stuff. So it's always very nerve-wracking not only to get the car done, make sure it's right, get it here, and the powers that be at those OEM corporations be happy with what you did. Because I've heard horror stories through the years of guys not getting them done, not being happy, not doing what the proposal said. And uh, it's not not a good result if that uh, you drop the ball with one of the big three. So for the OEM project, you're basically saying, like, uh, let's just take a brand-new Camaro and let's uh, they, they set the parameters and basically you put together the build, right? Is that the way that works? Nope. You pitch everything from oh, really? the colors to the wheels to the interior and everything. And if they like it, you might get a shot. If they don't like it, they throw it in a pile. Uh, they get, oh, really? I think, yeah, over a 1,000 proposals. And, you know, sometimes they just use that idea to bounce ideas off of, you know, good builders to see what they got an idea. And, you know, I know I've known some people that's that's through through stuff in and they says, no, we don't like that. And the next year that OEM company has taken that builder's idea all the way and build it themselves. So you just never know what you're getting into out here, man. It's a, it's a weird world and not as easy as everybody thinks it is. Hey, in case you just tuned in, you tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we are live here at the 2013 SEMA in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, the, the OEM deals, do they allow you to build vintage cars too, or is it strictly the newest, latest, and greatest? Well, the, the OEMs, you know, you pitch what you want. Uh, we pitch, we usually pitch about four cars, hoping we get one of them. That's, you know, that's your odds of getting a car, okay. basically. If, you know, once you get in and prove yourself, I think your stuff goes to the top of the pile. If you don't prove yourself your first time out, you ain't ever getting a second look. So it's kind of a, 
better you better be ready to show your your hand right a, right ahead the very first time you ever get a shot of this. And I've actually had a, one of the one of the OEM manufacturers. You know, we're hot rod vintage based in our shop, and uh, we proposed a couple of them that were I thought were just unbelievable knockout projects, but they kind of had a retro vintage theme. And that one OEM OEM company says we're not any interested in any vintage retro themes anymore. So really? one one company loves it, and one company is steering all the way away from it. So it's weird. Then the next year, somebody else is in the powers that be to get to pick the projects, and they want something totally different. So you just you just keep going with what you're what you're uh, comfortable building, and sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. It's just a, just a shot in the dark. Definitely, the odds are like playing the lottery. Okay. Yeah, Project-wise, like as far as what you're working on right now, how many things you got in the pipeline? Um, well, we thrashed getting these two done uh, in the shop right now. Of course, you know, the shop's just me and my wife. Uh, we've got a 59 Ford retractable that's been in there for a while. We're waiting to finish that up. I've got a, uh, a second-gen Mustang kind of mild pro tour car. I got a 62 Econoline pickup truck and a 46 Ford pickup truck. Anything range from, you know, pro tour style to mild custom to pure on restoration. So we got quite the quite the mixture of projects in the shop right now. Do you ever get into motorcycles? Um, years ago I did. I built a few bikes, painted a few bikes with some buddies that made some press and calendars and, you know, magazines and won some big, uh, big shows. But actually I kind of steered away and actually turned away motorcycles when the motorcycle stuff got really, really popular and all the motorcycle shows were on TV. Every, uh, every person thought they needed a motorcycle and didn't quite understand what it took. So for four years, I turned down any motorcycle that came into the shop because, uh, it was uh, it was part of the industry at that time with a lot of what I call hanger honors just because something was cool that uh, they didn't really understand it. So I kind of turned that away. I'm, I'm kind of picky about who I work for. Being a small shop, I don't have to take everything in that comes in. Me and my wife meet the people, and we don't like them or we get a weird vibe. We just simply won't work for that person. Now, bikes, people don't realize it, but it takes hours and hours and hours to build bikes, too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's less than building a car. That's why motorcycle shows are always more popular than car shows, because it takes far less time to build a motorcycle. You know, I'm not saying there are any less of craftsmen or anything. It just there's just less parts on a motorcycle than there is a, a full built hot rod. So if you uh, if you follow along a full build that you're building a chassis and doing all the custom body mods on a hot rod, the normal viewer is going to get really bored really quick. I mean, I fought that when I was doing my TV show. Even the producers and the cameraman got bored real quick when we're blocking and priming a car three or four times to make sure it's right. So uh, as far as like. The bikes that you built, were they basically like, uh, I mean, like vintage style? Were they full-blown? Well, the, the one that made a lot of press and won a lot of awards was a, a buddy guy I knew I grew up racing BMX with, and he ended up being the head fabricator at a pro-stock race car place, and uh, he built all the chassis, and we kind of worked on some of the tin work together. It was a Sportster, but it kind of had a vintage bobber look before bobbers were cool, but then we kind of put a crazier paint job on it, so it was a mix of stuff. And, you know, he won best to show at a bunch of Easy Rider shows, so I mean, it was it was a nice piece when we got done with it. So that brought some more work to me, and then just, like I say, the market got flooded with all these wannabe builders and wannabe bikers, and just it was just an industry, a part of the industry that I just kind of shied away there for with when the, that was, it was really popular to everybody, but it's just, there was just a lot of weirdness that I didn't want to be a part of. You know, they have the uh, uh, Mother's Display here, McGuire's. Now, they do awards for those. Tell us a little bit about those, how, how people qualify for those to win those awards and, and the caliber of cars that uh, are uh, basically uh, eligible for that. Well, the caliber of cars is that is off the hook. Uh, one of my good buddies won the Shine Award last year. Roger Berman built uh, the satin, a lot of satin paint on that gray second-gen Camaro that's on display in the 
the mother's booth this year. Um, just an unbelievable piece. You know, if you don't know who Roger Berman is, he, he's built a, a roaster that won the, the Riddler Award and the AMBR. He's won a lot of the good guys of the year award. You know, that's the total craftsmanship there. And then over in the, the McGuire's booth, a uh, good, uh, good friend of mine, Gil Losey, has an unbelievable 61 bubble top and pallet twin turbo car. It's quite the piece of work. You kind of have to uh, go for one of the awards and you have to have their decals in, their, in your car. Uh, if you choose not to have their decal in your car, uh, you don't get looked at. So, yeah, it's a whole lot of, I wouldn't say politics, but, yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on out here, too. And uh, a couple of people wanted us to put certain stickers in our cars to be eligible for certain awards, and we couldn't do it because of um, conflicting sponsors on the car. So. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for hanging out with us here a little bit on the Stellar Cars at SEMA and uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on. How's your dad doing, by the way? Remember you called in on our show that one time? Yeah, he's, uh, he's doing pretty good. Okay, well, that's good. Well, you tell him I said hi. And, okay. Uh, I know you guys starting to get noisy for... out there. They're starting up this Freightliner uh, Pikes Peak race truck out here right now. Is that what it is? I heard something going yeah. on. Yeah. All right. Hey, Tim, go ahead and pitch your uh, company real quick if you want, your website, and uh, you know how do people find out about you? Okay, yeah, you can check out anything uh, me, Tim Strange, does on our website, strangemotion.com. I also have an uh, Instagram uh, rod builder and a Facebook page, Strange Motion Rod and Custom. You can check out anything we're doing there. We kind of held the, the Corvair a little secret. Next uh, few weeks, we'll be putting all the past build shots up in order as we were building that Corvair pretty quick and plugging all the sponsors and showing how we did the chassis and all the sheet metal work on it. So get online and check all that out. Well, good, good. Oh, yeah, and they can all check out, uh, watch some of your past shows on uh, Search and Restore. How would they go about finding that? Um, you can still go to searchandrestoretv.com, and that'll swift, it actually redirects you over to the Power Block page. All those shows are online. And the last I heard, all of season two, will be re-ran in December on Spike. Super. Well, keep us informed. Stay in touch. Thanks for taking some time, and uh, good luck to you, and hope you win some awards. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Take care. Okay, bye. Hey, this is Jesse Combs, metal fabricator, TV host of All Girls Garage, and the list of 1,001 car things to do before you die. And now, the fastest woman on four wheels. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, guys, this is Courtney Hansen from Spike TV, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Anyway, hey, Cedric, how are we doing on time there? Oh, we still got about 15 minutes to go. Tell you what, I'll just talk a little bit, because I, I, what happened was, is, here's the deal, here's let me explain to my, my, my trusty listeners how this works here in, at SEMA. You walk around. I usually get here, let's say, like on a Sunday, okay? And so what I'll do, and on Sundays, they're still setting up. And it's amazing if you guys have ever been to a large, large convention center. Now, just to give you an idea, this convention center is over 1 million square feet, okay? And it, I think it's bigger than that. But just the area that I'm in, the, the immediate area, and you've got the North Hall, you've got the Central Hall, you've got South Hall. But you also have upstairs on the South Hall, and I think you have upstairs on the North Hall, okay? Then you've got, like uh, Tim was talking about earlier, with the hotel, where most of us stay at what they call the Las Vegas Hilton, which is right across the street. Actually, when I say right across the street, it's like across the alley. I think it might be 150 feet between the two buildings. And these buildings are huge. When the first time I came here was probably 15 years ago, and this building was loaded with stuff but not to the extent that it is now. And then the North Hall, when I walked in there, there was not that much stuff in there, okay? In fact, just to give you an idea how big it was, it had two offshore boats that were like 50-footers. 
they looked like little toys in there. That's how small they were. That's how big the building was. Today, every booth is packed. It's sold out. Okay, just to give you an idea, some of these booths in here, if you want to have a display here at SEMA, they start around $25,000. And you're here for four or five days. You're actually here November 2nd. In this case, for example, it would be November 2nd, uh, November, what is it? Yes, I guess. So it would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Okay, so the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. So there's four days of active, open convention center. And this takes almost three or four days ahead of time people show up here. So within a week sometimes, guys are showing up. They've got some really elaborate um, displays, and it takes days and days and days. And you've got people coming in here with forklifts. You've got crates. You've got high lifts. You've got uh, uh, petty bones. You've got all kinds of equipment running around here. You've got people running all over the place, running wires, running cables, running this, running that. You know, it's just I, you can't describe it. I'm sitting here right now, and I'm at the Optima battery booth. And I'm sure everybody you know, is familiar with Optima. I look over to my right, and there's Source Interlink Media. Source Interlink Media is based out of Lakeland, okay? And if you're familiar with all your Hot Rod magazines and Super Chevy and all that kind of stuff, I think they pretty much produce all those. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm looking over to the left a little bit, and I see Edelbrock. I got the Edelbrock display right in front of me, okay? That's probably about 20 feet from where I'm sitting. As a matter of fact, Vic, is Vic Edelbrock is sitting over there, uh, waving at him. Hey, Vic, hey. Um, and then you've got the uh, Bramble Brakes display. You've got the Mother's display. You've got Spectre display. You've got Holly display. You've got Mother's. And this is all within, you know, if I could turn my neck around 360 degrees, I'm just sitting here looking at all this stuff. So this is pretty basic stuff. And I'm only, um, this is, what do they name off? It be 10 different vendors. I see Milladon. Um, just, it's just incredible. Uh, it's just overwhelming. And like Tim and I were talking about earlier, the caliber of the cars were here. These cars are the best of the best. These cars are strictly, literally, I should say strictly, but primarily show cars. Now, the cars that are outside, out front, um, those, what they do on Friday now, Friday they'll have basically like a little parade, like a little drive through so it's even an honor to get your car here, you know, to have it out front on a display. And there's some pretty wild stuff out there. And often those got those are where guys get discovered. So if you all you listeners out there, you want to build something really, really trick and set your mind to it and come up with the, the latest and greatest, the best, the best, something really, really innovative. If you bring it out here to SEMA, if you can't get it on the inside, which you can't unless you're really connected with somebody and you've got to know a manufacturer that wants a really cool car on display, for example, whether it's Brembo Brakes, whether it's Mothers, whether it's uh, Billiton, whether it's Auto Beater, whether it's K&N, whether it's uh, Magnaflow, whether it's uh, McGuire's or, or something like that. You know, those cars, those cars are hand-picked. And then what you have to do is you have to have all their products on your car, and you have to agree, like Tim mentioned earlier, you've got to agree to have, you know, show the car, have the car displayed, attend a number of events, you know, just do what you said you're going to do, and basically they'll get behind you. So... That's how you get the cars on the inside. The cars on the outside, pretty much just have to kind of sign up, pay a fee, uh, send them some pictures, and they kind of pick those cars a little bit there. Again, there's a little bit of politics involved, but, but not a lot. But if you get your car here, and keep in mind, you've got, like I said, a million-plus square feet here, and there's so many vendors, it's, it's amazing. But just to let me give you an idea of how many people show up at this event, they, they anticipate between 130 and 150,000 that's 130 to 150,000 people will walk through the doors here at FEMA, okay? That's how many people they come. They come and check this out. Now, FEMA is also B2B, which means it's business to business, which means it's got to be people that are in the industry that have access to this, okay? So if you're Joe Blow, car enthusiast out the door, and you, you know, you're a car guy and you pick up a magazine and you've got a really cool car, you can't really come in here. You've got to be... Someone in the business. Now, how do you do that? It's real simple. You know somebody that owns the business that's a car business. For example, it could be a repair shop. 
And then what you do is you put yourself down, you list yourself as a buyer, okay? And then they would list you on their uh, on their true list, so to speak, as a buyer. And that's how you apply, and then they'll send you the application, fill the application out, and then what they do is they send you basically the credentials in the mail. So that's how you – and, and that's how they uh, – pretty much – that's how you get in here, okay? Now, let me give you a little idea of how some of the, the entertainment that's going on. The other day, they had a big unveiling of a Ford booth. Ford has probably the biggest display here. It's in the it's in uh, Central Hall, which is the hall to be in, okay, which is where the names I just named off, the Edelbrocks, the Hollies, the XL, the Brambos, the Mothers, McGuire's, you know, Source and Link, Optima, uh, General Motors, everybody's in this block. And uh, so right when you come in on the first floor, before you step down in the lower part of the hall, again, like I said, it, we're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of square feet, millions of square feet. Ford's got this huge display. Well, yesterday they had an unveiling. Now, what was really interesting is I'm sure if any of you guys follow any of the road racing that's going on, uh, uh, Grand National, Grand Am, as there, I should say, uh, has come out, which is Daytona, 24-hour, you know, bikes up there in uh, Daytona. They've got a, what they call the DP cars. DP is what they call a data, Daytona prototype. The Daytona prototypes are kind of a, let's just call it a really high-dollar, fancy-schmancy spec race, okay? Well, up until now, cars, the parameters, the chassis were built by Riley. You could put a little bit of body work on it. In other words, if you were doing kind of like a running a Chevrolet, you could have your car look a little bit like the Corvette. If you're running a Porsche at the front, the body work might look a little bit like a, a Porsche. If you're running a Ferrari, it might look a little bit like a Ferrari or something like that. So basically, you bought the chassis, did a little bit of body work, and but all the chassis were essentially the same. What you had to do is you had to run whatever, you ran whatever power plant you want. Well, this year, Ford's heavily involved. Ford's running a new EcoBoost turbo six-cylinder motor. Well, guess what? Tenassi, who's known for Chevrolets, was here, and they unveiled the new Daytona prototype Ford EcoBoost. And guess what? Tenassi is, uh, is running that car. Now, what I like, because I'm a Ford guy, is Penske's running Ford this year, and he's kicking everybody up, you know, kicking everybody's butt. And he's tied in with Roush Yates, okay, you know, the engine builders. And Tenassi is doing the same thing. So both these cars, uh, both these teams, have different race series, okay, NASCAR and you know, the Daytona, uh, the GTP, or the you know, road racing series, you know, Grand Am, uh, are both heavily involved, heavily backed by Ford Motor Company. So that's super. John Forrest, I think he's renewing his contract with Ford, so he's going to pretty much continue dominating in drag racing. You know, he's 16-time national champion. Okay, so that's just absolutely amazing. But what they also did is the guys at Barrett Jackson, my friends uh, Gary Bennett, Steve Davis were here, and... Gene Simmons from Tess. Well, guess what they did? They unveiled this really cool, radical, custom 53 to 56 Ford pickup truck that had a real Shelby theme to it. I mean, they gave the front end a little bit of a really contemporary look to it. It looked kind of like a brand-new Mustang Shelby nose on it. The paint was uh, you know, the, a basic, uh, in this case, it was kind of like a, a graphite color with a, a Shelby stretch across the hood. Uh, it had some late model contemporary modifications done to the interior. had a late model uh, Shelby engine and driveline in it. Really, really, really cool piece. But what was interesting is the car was basically unveiled and presented to all the people here by Gene Simmons from KISS. Okay? And even though he had his bodyguards around him and he wasn't really approachable, he still took the time out to sign some autographs and take a few pictures. But I'll tell you what, it was such a mob scene. Yours truly couldn't get there. However, however, on the other hand, Neil Young was here, of course, still National Young, okay, Neil Young. Neil Young's here with his 1959 Lincoln Continental convertible. Now, it's called the Link Boat. It is a total hybrid car, okay? Go online, 
link bolt. Okay. You know what's really interesting too is, and I actually had the opportunity to talk to Neil Young. I got a picture with Neil Young, and uh, so it was pretty amazing. I actually invited him to come on the radio show. Who knows? You know, he's a very, very private guy. He's very low key. He doesn't like doing a lot of publicity, but he's really in the cars. Now he has an amazing car collection, and it consists mostly cars from the '40s and the '50s. Okay, but he says those cars I can't drive anymore. Now he's extremely environmentally conscious. Okay, so having said that, he doesn't drive the cars; he just stares at them. But he loves the '59 Lincoln Continental Convertible, and he had uh, a couple. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the company, but there's a company in California that did all the mechanical modifications on it. But Roy Brizio, uh, who does a lot of cars for Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck, who by the way was also here, and he's uh, I've invited him to come on the radio show, and he's one of the premier street rod builders in the San Francisco Bay Area. And, uh, but anyway, so Brizio built his Lincoln Continentals. But Neil would sit there and he talked to everybody about his Lincoln. He's extremely proud of that. The car is totally efficient, uh, self-perpetuating, uh, uh, electric, electric motor, uh, or electric powered, and it's got a, a little generator in it that's also self, uh, self-generating. I mean, it's just kind of a real interesting thing. You need to check it out on the website. It's, it's really more complicated and a little too sophisticated for me. I poor little, you know, I'm just a little average guy that knows how to, you know, move a couple of wrenches and cogs and gears and levers and stuff like that. You know, I'm just real basic mechanical. But nonetheless, this car is extremely interesting. And then the cool thing about it is it has, in, in Neil Young's words, there's no carbon uh, off, uh, no carbon waste on this car. In other words, no carbon footprint, no nothing. Um, so at any rate, but it's a real cool piece. But Neil Young was here. And tomorrow at 11 o'clock, he's doing a complete seminar uh, on that car for about uh, 30 minutes. So really, it should be real interesting. I'm going to take a bunch of pictures of it. We'll put it up on our website. We'll put the information on uh, our Facebook page. Be sure to like us on our Facebook. And uh, matter of fact, I forgot to tell you guys at the beginning of the show, I forgot to tell everybody, run your computers and Google TampTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios at WTN AM1340 in downtown Clearwater. But you know what? I'm not there. I'm here in Las Vegas. Now, uh, yeah, yeah, the other thing is, the other couple days ago when I first got here, you know, typically people come to Vegas and they gamble, right? Danny Coker was here. Uh, matter of fact, we saw him on, on Saturday at the Born to Ride concert. Okay, I haven't seen Danny yet, but I've been corresponding back and forth with him and Kevin. And uh, I might stop by a shop bar. But a lot of guys come to Vegas, you know, they look for the entertainment, the fun, the games, uh, you know, all that good stuff that you do when you do go to Vegas. But some of us really diehard car, car guys, you know, you know what we do? If we're here at the show all day long, and I'm talking, you walk, walk walk miles and miles and miles. When you're done, you know, you're beat. Last thing you want to do is go out, you know, party. But what I do is I go to my handy-dandy little computer and I go to Craigslist and I find all kinds of cool stuff. Now, you guys know I'm in the vintage portion, so I was over at this one guy's shop. I met him last year. Didn't have enough time because I found out about him too late. So basically, I hung out with him for about four hours Monday evening and we just talked about cars. And he had just all kinds of cool old vintage portion stuff in there, 911s, neat stuff like that. And that was really, really cool. And that was interesting for me. I got to show me a lot of his race cars, his racing motors and stuff. And I met another guy that's, that's who a friend of him, a friend of his, that's also in the Porsche. So that was kind of cool. While I was on Craigslist, I also ran across this other car that I thought was kind of cool. And I don't know if you guys know about Kellison, but Kellison's were uh, fiberglass body cars. And they were like a kit car that you could buy back in the late 50s, early 60s. And I think there's Kellison's, uh, they're called Jake. Threes, fours, and fives, and they're basically kind of really low-profile kind of car. It was back in the years, back in the in the fifties, you know, when 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 the guys were returning from the war, you know, a lot of guys want the sports cars, 
and because that's what they had when they were over there overseas. So what they did is when they got to the United States, a lot of those guys were hot rodders. Well, now they're back home. They got the little forks on. They go, hmm, this thing's not fast enough. So what they did is they started putting big motors in itty-bitty little sports cars. Some of them road raced them. Some of them drag raced them. Well, then the demand came for, like, uh, they, it's aerodynamic, higher aerodynamic than the same you know? So companies like Telefin, like Devon, like, uh, like um, uh, well, Extreme would be Scarab, which was Lance Reventlow. Okay, they built these, like, prototype kit kind of cars. And then what they were is some sort of a generic chassis, or they might use a Corvette chassis or a Thunderbird chassis. And they built a fiberglass body. And the fiberglass is also, if they put uh, some, hey, you know what? That's, uh, wow, we're just about out of time. Well, anyway, uh, you know what? I think I went on rambling. I'll tell you guys when I get back. I'll, I'll be there. We'll do a leather show live next week. Be sure and check out our website, dolphinmotorsports.com. Like us on Facebook. I want everybody to drive carefully. Stay safe. Love your family. We'll catch you next week. Telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to take a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.